Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord, directors and producers, uh, please give me a thumbs up on sound and everything else. Please stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. You can stand right there in your house uh, as unto God to give honor to His Holy Word. Some of you will, some of you won't. Those of you who are saved and fear the Lord, uh, you'll probably do so, even though you may have your pajamas on. And curled up in the bed, you out of respect for the word of God, you'll stand. Believe me when I tell you that, there are some people who fear the Lord, and they respect the Lord, and they do what the man of God tells them to do. So I want to wrap up, this is the third part of a sermon series I started on Father's Day last Sunday, uh, just like there are some mothers and wives and women who are just lost uh, and on their way to a devil's hell, and they know it, and we know them by their fruits. Uh, I dealt with this same subject on Mother's Day. Because I'm convinced that, that, that there are many people in the church who think that they're saved. They have been bamboozled and they have been uh, deceived and they have run amok. You cannot go 18, 20, 23, 25, 20, seven, uh, 29, and 31 years of being a mother and not ever willing to tell your children I love you on purpose, on your own, from your heart, and call yourself saved. You cannot be that way for all of those years and not want to hug your precious children even when they are uh, infants and toddlers with great joy and call yourself saved. Uh, you cannot go 34 years, 40 years without submitting to your husband and uh, obeying your husband and uh, showing love and respect towards your husband in front of your children and call yourself born again and saved. At the same time, father and hubby, are you going to hell from the church pews? Oh, you, you look all wonderful and great in all of your glory on Sunday morning with your $500 suit or your $200 suit, or your $199 suit from K&G's. And you look so holy and so wonderful. 
and so great father and hubby but you got a girlfriend on the side uh, you have two or three families you do not love your wife you hate your wife and uh, you give lip service uh, as to your children as far as caring for them father hubby are you going to hell are you just a church member and not born again allow me to ask you a question what is best to have in your heart for your wife and children to have the best or to give them the best which one is most important to you if you're saved you're going to have in your heart that you want your wife and children to have the best but if you love your wife and children you may not always give them the best my daughter Danny my oldest daughter with my wife Marika White she wrote me a letter uh, when she was a teenager and she said thank you Papa I thank you Papa for not always giving us everything we want but teaching us how to pray and read the Bible and serve the Lord and somewhere along the line in her life as we read the Bible together her life's verse became seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be uh, uh, be given unto you that is material thing but put the Lord first my daughter Danny put the Lord first all the way up until the time she graduated from college with multiple degree, multiple degrees all the way on, up until she left my house she was 27 when she left my house and God has blessed her when I helped her move into her apartment with her sister in fact I'm the one that picked out the apartment she would she would probably differ but I'm the one that picked out the apartment and I was there with her when she got the apartment and so she was going to be content sleeping on the floor and do a, doing a minimalist thing as we have done for years and I told her I said Danny and I told my daughter Danita I said you're not a prophet you don't have to live a prophet's lifestyle and uh, we went out and got both of them beautiful bedroom sets from rooms to go in fact the guy who sold us the bedroom sets was a Christian man and uh, he died not too long ago and uh, I was there when the bedroom sets were moved in and all of that kind of thing and 
big, you know, I mean, big, nice bedroom set. I'm not talking about a little single. I'm talking about a double, uh, full, not quite queen yet. She probably has that now. But she's living uh, real well at only 31 years old and uh, driving a Mercedes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You don't see, here's the thing, fathers. If you are born again, if you're saved, you're going to have your family on your heart 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Listen, I'm serious about this. It's not you. It's Jesus in you. It's Father God in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't fake this. You can't phony this, man. This has got to be real. And the children know whether or not it is real. My children could not wait to be weaned from their evil mother. They could not. I know some of you sweet little evangelicals don't like it, but there are some evil women. And you know why women keep on listening to me? They're not mad at me because they know how women can be evil. There are some evil women in this world, just like there are some evil men. They could not wait to get away from her to come to Papa. And as they grew older, they, they did not sense that love from their mother. And, and this has affected them throughout their lives. And I, I don't have a motherly bone in my body. I, and I, I, don't make, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. But they called me the father and the mother. Because they knew I loved them. Now you say, where did that love come from? How can you generate that love? You're talking stupid. You can't generate that love, man. It's got to come down from God, the Father of lights, the greatest Father of all time. You can't fake it. Yes, it is the agape love, but it's also joined together with a fatherly love that you can't fake. That when you go into Dollar General, you're thinking about your children. You say, you say, well, in the beginning I thought about my wife, but after a while when I saw she was not being a good woman, a good wife, and a good mother, I, said, I, that, I stopped doing that. But before she uh, got pregnant with Danny, when I walked into Walmart, I thought about her. I bought her some dresses and a watch and this and that and so forth. In the early, early months and years. And then when the children started coming every two years, see when you when you nurse your children, God God orders all of that. You don't be listen to me, you mothers, because some of you are ignorant of what's going on here. You you should not be having no baby every six months, or every nine months. <laughs> excuse me, or every every year. That ought not to happen. It, it, something you're doing something wrong. You. You, 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 you're using a bottle, you're using Similac. I'm shocked that there's a shortage of Similac. I thought Similac was dead. I thought women had learned to nurse their children. My, my wife nursed all of our children, every last one. And may I say to the husbands, because they're the only ones who can understand it, and, 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 you, and some of you sweet evangelists are going to get mad at me, she nursed me too. Excuse me. That's why I'm so healthy today. Uh, 
I don't care if you like it or not. She knows me too. It's just a part of the whole package. It's a wonderful situation. And God is not offended. It's a beautiful thing. But all of my children were nursed by their mother. No Similac. I never bought. A, I never bought an ounce of Similac or milk or cow's milk. Or not, excuse the bad English or nothing. And uh, and so, so some of you women are doing it wrong. I mean, you you women talking about one woman, she got pregnant twice, and, and, and uh, you got you know you you have a baby, and now I'm no one you want out. God will regulate that thing if you nurse those children. God knows what he's doing. It'll be about two years before you can have another baby. While you nursing that other one. God controls that. But you want to short circuit everything so you can dump your baby at a nursery somewhere and, and give them a, some, uh, a package of Similac to feed your baby. Or some cow's milk. And, and that's why your child acting so crazy now. You need to breastfeed those babies. That's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful, the most beautiful thing in the world. Outside of sex itself. A mother nursing her child. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing from God. And your child will be healthier throughout his or her life. But I digress a little bit. It ought to be in your heart 24-7. You cannot help but think about your babies. You cannot help but think about your family. You cannot help uh, but think about how you want to buy them something or get them something. But sometimes as they grow older, you don't do that. See, when they were little, I wanted my children to have all the little fun things I had when I was little. You know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Poppy Jack, uh, Jackie Pop, or whatever it called, uh, icy pops and uh, chocolate ice cream bars, you know. And so uh, when they were little, I would get little things like every time I stopped in the store, if I got myself something, they were gonna get something. They were always on my mind. Who's that? Willie Nelson, who wrote that song? You're always on my mind. See that that comes from the God kind of love. When you're saved and you're born again, and 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 fatherly love mixed with that, you want the best for your children, and even when they get grown and they go out on their own, you still want the best for them. But you can't give it to them. You cannot uh, 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 tell them. Uh, 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 in other words, the best fathers are those who raise your children well and you let the children be once they get grown. Unless they ask you for your help. And if God lays something on your heart, you can tell them. Let them go. Let them be. Let them do what they're going to do. You can warn them. You can pray for them. If they ask for advice, you can give it to them. Because, see, if you raise them well, they're going to already feel like you, you, you're controlling them. So, if you push it, you're going you're to have a problem. Because, because of the training and the raising, you've already, have, you've already left it all on the field. You, you, you've coached them all up until this point. 
they got to work it out. They got to work out their own salvation. See, the best fathers put it, leave it all in the field at the house and then let the children go. You can't micromanage your adult children. You can micromanage them when they're home. <laughs> you can't, you know, you don't let them do whatever they want to do when they're home while they're under your roof. While they're under your roof, no sir, no ma'am, you micromanage all you want. But now when they leave, they choose to leave, that's, that's on them. That's between them and the God. All you can do is pray and that's a lot. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you. This is very important. Gentlemen, okay. It's simple, but it's profound. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is very important because that's what salvation is. Yes, you get saved from the power of sin. Yes, you get saved from hell. But, but going forward is Jesus Christ at the wheel. And if somebody is not on the inside of you telling you to love your wife, to love your children... That's not going to be happening. I didn't need anybody to teach me or tell me to love my wife and love my children. God did it. And love, the God kind of love, may not always look like love. <clears throat> what? I, uh, the sweet evangelicals say that it ought to always look like love. You ought to be buying flowers and opening doors and, and uh, going out on dates even though you're married. I say no, no to the no-no. And that's still love. When you say, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to buy that for you. No, I'm not going to give you that. No, we're not going to go out on a date and leave our children with some devilish, pink-haired, green-haired babysitters from hell. That includes family members. Uh-uh. We don't, you, you, uh, some of the evangelical, sweet evangelical women to say, your wife needs a break from those children. No, no, God didn't say that. What is this foolishness? We need a break from the children that God gave us? No. Raise the children right and, and make them sit down and do their schoolwork and do their work and be quiet and do what they're supposed to do and not be talking when adults are talking. Amen. Amen lights. Uh-uh. Sit at the dinner table straight up and eat the food at the uh, dinner table. We have a date right here at the house. Huh? The best date. Listen to me. You people always going somewhere. You don't know. First of all, read Restaurant Confidential. I think it is. That's the name of it. Read that. You'll never go to a restaurant again. This was written by a chef. You don't know what they're doing back there. They just smother your stuff all up and you don't know what kind of steak or fish or what, how old it is or nothing. And in this damn time, I wouldn't eat it. I wouldn't eat out anywhere. You don't need to go on a date. 
to keep the romance in your marriage. We're married now. We went out on dates before we got married. Stop doing stupid things that just because somebody wrote some stupid mess in, in a book somewhere. Some sweet evangelical. There's nowhere in the Bible. We're married now. We can have a date right here at the house. And, and have the best food. Because you bought it. You know where you got it from. And you know what you put on it. And you don't need any rose petals and you don't need any flowers. And most women, contrary, especially black women, don't want any flowers. Period. I don't, I don't think they even want flowers at their funeral. Don't, 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 you're wasting your money and wasting your time reading folks' books that may work for them. But will not work for you. I told my brother when he was alive that you can't do like me, but I'm going to tell you what you need to do. But you have to put, his, his nickname was Tonio, you got to put your Tonio on it, man. You can't do exactly like I do. Because I got a different kind of wife from a different place. Okay? My wife is from Jamaica, your wife is from Jacksonville, Florida. You got to deal with that right there. Okay? You can't do what I do. You got to put Tony on it. And that's what you need to do, gentlemen. I can give you the basic Bible verses that the Bible teaches as far as how you ought to act. And be a husband and be a father. And you need to obey that. In the way God leads you. Except you be reprobates. Examine yourself and see whether or not you be in the faith. Whether or not you are saved. Because see, you can't fake salvation. Sir, husband, father, you can't fake this, man. See, my wife is here with me now after 34 years. You think you say, well, preacher, have y'all had a wonderful, great marriage all of those years? No. But she's still here because you can't, she knows I'm not a fake. She knows that. She's seen the Lord in me. And and I'm already dead. I've told her that a thousand times. So, you know, what she does does not affect me. It's the God flowing through me and pushing out that love and that righteousness in a gentle, nudging, loving way. That has allowed me to be, to put up with her foolishness down through the years. It's the God kind of love. It is the agape love. You can't fake it. My wife knows I love her. My children know I love her. I have nothing to do with it. I am not naturally a loving man. Say what, preacher? And I'm not a romantic either. Whatever that is. I do have some preachers who, preacher friends who are romantic. One of my, my best preacher friends, Dr. Sammy Madison, is a romantic. He told me that. I, I was shocked. But he and his wife, they have a wonderful relationship. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something about uh, Mrs. Madison. I mean, she, loved, she loves her husband and she loves her children. And she, and she will protect them. She will, she will protect her husband even from me. Try it. She tried to. Because of how I preach and things I say. 
But he never listened to her. As long as I was biblical, he never listened to her on, on, on what I said. I mean about to her being against what I said. That's how we remain friends. That's the only way. Because I've been preaching on men being the head of the household. And he was the head of his household. But I, I give her credit. Now she, she loves her husband. And she loves her children buddy. She flat did the doggone thing. I can tell you that. She was not the most pleasant person to be around. <laughs> and she would try to uh, get in between her husband and myself. Because we were working together in the ministry. And uh, he was uh, the vice president of our organization and all of that. And, uh, but he wouldn't let that happen. He, he put the Lord first. And uh, uh, I thank the Lord for him. But he, he told me he was a romantic. He, 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 you know, candlelight dinners and all that. I'm not, I'm not that. I, I've never been that with any woman. But be that as it may, I do love my wife and I love my children, not because of me. You, can you understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying to you, sir? Ma'am, do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can love people and not really be a loving person yourself by nature. Because it's all about Jesus being on the inside of you, the hope of glory. He's the one that makes the difference. My wife has felt love from me. My children have felt love from me because of Jesus being on the inside. Not some perfunctory mechanical mess I read in the book. Uh, here are the three keys to a happy marriage. And, 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 and uh, here are some tools to, to make your marriage work. Not, and most of that stuff is nothing but compromised traditions made by the sweet Pharisees and Sadducees of the sweet evangelicals against the Bible. See, so there, listen to me. There's some, listen to me. There's some sweet evangelicals who I call, and, and they don't like it, the Pharisees and Sadducees of our time, and they create traditions which they say are based upon the Word of God. But they're not connected to the Word of God. They made it up and got you doing it, compromising the Word of God, and you think taking your wife on a date once a week and buying some flowers once a week and opening the door for her is going to keep your marriage together. The devil will shoot through all of that if you don't do it God's way. Oh, I can't get in any amens, but that's all right. Amen lights. God, listen to me. The devil has torn down all of those, many of those marriages that did all of that mess extra stuff that's not in the Bible. Traditions of men by my sweet evangelicals who are the intelligentsia of Christianity inf infecting and influencing all of Christianity even the Catholics because they are the book writers and they own the pipeline. If they don't like you, you will not get a book published, but they can get a book published once a month. And a movie and everything else. They, they, they influence, they may be small in number, but they influence all of Christianity. 
and 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 people who may be contrary to the scripture, like some of the charismatics, they'll let them in, in a little bit and let them influence them. And then you have a big old mess on your hands. You got Bible believing pastors and preachers preaching stuff they never preached before because they're losing members to the charismatics. So we can't beat them, let's join them. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Lord, help me to try to finish this message tonight. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, have we not preached beautiful messages in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. The charismatic would say that. And they didn't cast out one devil. All that laying on hands. I told y'all to stop. I told you to stop letting these devilish pastors put their hands on you. I told you that. And thank God some of y'all stopped it. You do not do that. You do not let everybody and their mama lay hands on you. That, ain't, that does not mean anything. And you're going to be filled with the same sins and demons they have. And then I, uh, up in Maryland, I saw a man who was out in the crowd for prayer. And the, 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 the prominent bishop tried to lay hands on him. He did this. No, oh, no, don't lay hands on me. They just pray for me. You know? <laughs> no. I said, good on you. No, you doing that. And now the women pastors over the men, men six foot five, all muscle, rippling with testosterone. The little female pastors come and they, they can't reach the man's head and they put it right there on his heart. No woman, no, no normal woman can handle all of that muscle rippling in that man's body. They can't do that. And that, that same, I don't care if you like it or not. That same woman will end up in the bed with that same man. And she said, ooh, I felt something. Yeah, you, you felt something, all right. That's not to be, that is not so to be my brethren and my sister. No, no woman, no woman pastor ought to be coming down laying hands on a man's hairy chest over his heart, talking about she's praying over him. Sit down somewhere, sister, before you get into some real trouble, real quick, that you can't get out of your mind. Uh, don't bow your head yet, it's not time to pray. Sit down somewhere. I don't care what bishop told you to do that, don't you do that. Because some of you, that's why you can't, you can't, you can't get out of the bed with certain men because you got your hand all over them and all that kind of stuff like that. And guess what, ladies? The men you're doing that to, women, they know they can get you. So you better stop doing that. There, there's an advantage that a man has over a woman when you get into close proximity like that. I don't care if you like it or lump it or choke on it. It makes no difference to me. But there are some men who know they can get you. Just the quiver of your hand, they know. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and they walk up there to see what see how how, how you gonna lay hands on them. And 
then some of you devilish women look at them like, mm hmm, like that when you walk over to the next person. That, 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 that's nothing but satanic confusion in the house of God. And then there's always a counselor who's constantly counseling people about the trouble they get themselves into because of this ass-backwards foolishness in the church of God. Anyway, and in thy name, done many wonderful works. Uh-huh. That's, that's not like the charismatic right there. The Baptists are the first ones. The, 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 uh, we preached great message, but the charismatics, they cast out the devils and and did many wonderful works and haven't really done anything. Jesus says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. All that you did, I never knew you. So depart from me, ye that work iniquity. <clears throat> oh, we're going to be shocked who goes to heaven and who doesn't. Everybody with all their great loud works not going to make it in. Those who just faithfully uh, were quiet and served the Lord quietly and faithfully, they're, they're going to be the ones who make it in. They were faithful and sincere. They were not a flash in the pan. And so, fathers, if you struggle with these things and these verses, and it is a problem all of your married years and family years, and your children know you don't love them. Don't bow your head yet. It's not time to pray. You can't fake this. You can't fake salvation. You can't fake God's love either. There's no such thing. Mm -mm. It, it, there's got to be a man on the inside of you. Welling up on the inside of you. And that's coming out of you. It oozes out of you. You don't make it happen. You don't manufacture this love and, and, and patience and, and all of that. It comes up out of you. And it may not look like love sometimes. It may look like chastisement. It may look like rebuke. huh? And if you have a devilish wife who's full of hell and the devil, she's not saved. Then it's going to be constant rebuke. Constant shut your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. And it may be every now and then, please shut the hell up. Because you got hell coming out of you. So shut the hell up. You got to say it the right way now. So that you're not cursing. You're not cussing. Okay. That doesn't sound like love, does it? But, but it could very well be love. Was, God showing, was Jesus Christ showing love when he went into the temple and whipped some behinds? Huh? And stopped them from defiling the temple? He, he, was, he, was he not loving? Yes, he was loving. Sometimes, hubby, father and husband, you have to come into the house and straighten out some mess. You may have a teenage boy who's smelling himself. You got to get up in his face like Denzel Washington and say, What? <laughs> You what you 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 say you talk back to your mother? <laughs> we'll talk back to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, nigga, 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 come on now, you talk back to me, huh? 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 I can't hear. I can't. I can't hear. I can't hear. 
See, that don't sound like love, but that's love too. Yeah. When, when, see, that's what the old folks used to say about young people when they start smelling themselves. I really don't know what it means. When they start smelling themselves, I guess how they smell their musk or something. You know, back in the day in James City down in the cut, you know, must, musk was a big deal. And there, even there's, uh, there was a, uh, a deodorant or a perfume or cologne called musk. I guess that was to get rid of the musk. I don't know. <laughs> but you start smelling yourself. Huh? Whatever that means, it, it, that needs to be dealt with. As long as you're living in my house. Huh? It, it, see, love makes it, it, it. Is you crazy? That's what my mother would say. Huh? My mother had a look like what it said. Her look was, have you lost your mind? Huh? She wasn't laughing. She had a look that would make you think you have lost your mind. <laughs> huh? That's love too. When my mother came to my room one day and told me I, I was, she was going to send me to re reform school, I was about 14, 15, 16 years old, rebellious as the devil. Now that scared the daylights out of me because I didn't know what a reform school was. But every day she had already looked it up. And she was going to send me there. Thank God she didn't. But that scared the daylights out of me as big and bad as I was. Huh? Was that love? Yeah. See, my mother was a disciplinarian in the household. My dad was not. My dad never whipped me. He should have whipped me B times. That means millions of times. I, I would have avoided doing a whole lot of stupid things. Even with his car. But there's two times my mother just lost it. Dealing with me. And she did it because she loved me. I hate to tell you. I hate to tell you about these things. She lost it. It... it one of them just broke, both of them broke her heart. I mean, just broke her heart. She couldn't believe it. And she was not prepared for all of this. I was out in the bar and got a girl pregnant across town in the rich neighborhood. Partying and jam, jam, boogie, boogie, letting the good times roll. And didn't know, didn't know what I was doing, foolishness. And this particular girl and I, we went down to Dr. Brown's office. You don't need to know anything else. And uh, she had an abortion. For some dumb reason, I kept the receipt. I had a little safe that I used to keep my Dallas Cowboys little men in. You know, you, do y'all remember the little football field with the vibration? Oh, yes, I was a Super Bowl winner in that. That's real. That's real. It was real football back in those days. Not this digital stuff. And uh, I kept my cowboys in that when I was younger. And I was a teenager. And I, for some reason, kept that receipt from Dr. Brown. My mother, somehow, because see, let me tell you something about parents. They know that God tells them things. 
because she didn't know anything about this. My mother, when I was gone one evening, went, somehow got into my safe, which was locked. Don't put anything past a father and a mother who's in tune with what's going on. And she opened that safe. I don't know if she got a, a crowbar or what. I don't know what she did. All I know, when I got home, she was mad as fire. I've never seen her so mad and so hurt. She was hurt because she loves me. She was mad because she loves me. She never thought I would do something like that. Now, now, now let me help you with something. Before you Christians get so excited and you conservatives get so excited about this overturning a Roe versus Wade, that was done under Roe versus Wade. And I was lost and on my way to hell. She was a church girl, but evidently she was lost and on her way to hell too with the things we were doing. And she didn't, we didn't know any better. You know why? Because nobody ever reached us with the gospel. I'm against abortion now for one reason, and I have been for the past 42 years, because I'm saved. Don't get mad at these people protesting. Have you witnessed to them? They're not your enemy. No, 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 no. We have failed God in the church. We have failed Jesus Christ. That's why we have all of, the, all of this protesting. These women are mad as hell. Some of them are very beautiful, very fine out here, breaking down windows and cussing and raising devilment all across the country. Have you seen them? Don't blame them. Blame the church. We didn't reach them with the gospel. Nobody reached me back then. My mother and my dad didn't know any better. My, when my mother found out I was having sex with women and girls and I had pictures of girls all over the house and she let me put them up, uh, she just told me, well, you better use some condoms, boy. That's all she told me. My dad didn't say anything. That's, that's one time that she lost it. The second time she lost it is I took her Granada. You must understand that the Ford Granada was the black man's Mercedes. Black woman's Mercedes. Oh, very stately looking. Mm -hmm, looked like a Mercedes. That's what we were about, you know, back in those days. We couldn't get a Mercedes, but we bought the Ford Granada. How many of you remember the Ford Granada? Hmm? It was something, gray and black, black seats, Barry White in the 8-track, even though my mother was a preacher, it's all right. She loved Barry White and Lou Rawls. And I got into it a little bit myself, but I, I, I always bought my 8-tracks, Confunction, huh? Uh, P-Funk, huh? Flashlight. Uh, cool in the game. KC and the Sunshine Band. And if I wanted to mellow out, I had the emotions. I had mine that I would play as loud as possible in that car. 
But be that as it may, one day, uh, she rarely let me have her vehicle. She allowed me to take her to work and take her vehicle. Me and my gang got together and we went to rob a store. I'm not going to tell you the story because they might be still looking for me of some beer. Well, we didn't have any money to buy any beer. And I fooled around trying to make a getaway after we snatched the beer and had the thing in drive and ran into the pole of the store. And it made a dent on the right side of the car. It, you know, it crumbled. And so me and my gang the next day after leaving the car in the parking lot for my mother to pick up, she didn't see anything. My friend Michael, who he, he knew some evil things, said, we'll get a rubber hammer. I never heard of a rubber hammer. We'll beat it out in the parking lot. There was only one window at the AT&T building. All of you know about the AT&T building. There's an AT&T building in every major town, city. Okay? And you know how the AT&T building, I don't know why they made them. There's one window. If there was a window, there was one. She was going on break and she looked out that window and caught it. Listen to me. Don't you try to pull something on your parents. They know what you're doing. God will tell them, especially if you're a praying person, don't you're going to get in trouble. And he broke her heart. I mean, she was livid. She was beside herself. She came out of that building screaming and hollering at me to the point I wanted to run. The rest of my gang forsook me and they ran with the rubber hammer. Did she hate me? No. She was mad as fire because she never thought I would do something like that. Because she loved me. See? And so love may not look like love sometimes. My sweet evangelicals with everything is supposed to be sweet and dandy and wonderful. We're not supposed to respond this way and on. And I turn out okay. I mean better than what the average bear. Most of you who were raised in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s turned out pretty uh, decent, better than some of the people we got coming up. Okay? So love may not look like love all of the time in your mind. But it's the God kind of love. Because see, the God kind of love is about holiness and you doing holiness and righteousness and avoiding ungodliness and being godly and righteous in your behavior. And whatever, and, and oh, God's attitude is whatever it takes for you to be doing that right there. Hello? Huh? What? What? I mean, what, what, whatever it takes. I mean, if, if I need to chastise you and take away your blessings, God will do so. God is stepping right now in the church. You feel what I'm saying? You feel you, you feeling really blessed right now? Going to the grocery store, even all you can't find anything that you normally can find, and and you don't even say anything. You feel sorry for the all the grocers who work so hard. You feel sorry for them. 
because they know they they feel guilty already, and they don't and they already getting from the older people. So where where is that? Why why you don't have this? They don't understand. <laughs> We're under chastisement. We're under rebuke. I came here yesterday and I bought this for five dollars now six seventy five. What's going on? Y'all ripping us off, ain't you? They don't understand. And they get that all day long. I don't bother them. If I don't see it, I keep on getting it. Don't bother the people. They, they, they can't help it. And so love may not look like love, but it's love. But you can't, but see, if it's, if it's not love, it's not going to look like love. and It's not going to feel like love. My children, when they were younger, had, uh, they understood, I guess it's by the grace of God, I don't know, when I would rebuke them and chastise them. And we would have to rebuke them, her mother, their mother as well. And, they, and, and they, you know, nobody likes to be rebuked and chastised. And, but they understood I have hundreds of letters that say, Papa, thank you for chastising us. Thank you for whipping us, for doing wrong and for doing evil. We'll be better in the future because of it. I mean, they had enough insight to understand that. And they loved me for it. They loved me back. Now, no, no good father. See, here's the... Now, see, watch this. If you are a father who loves to whip your children and you get some kind of kick out of it, you're lost and on your way to hell. No saved father wants to do that. It's just too much. It's too much. You got to, you know, get the, uh, the rod of correction and then you got to whip them and, and, and then you got to go through the little attitude. Some of my children would get over it and go on like my daughter Danny. She would get her whipping and go on and not make a big deal about it, but some were very dramatic. And you don't want to see that. And then you got uh, the little ones. You really don't want to have to do that with them. You just don't. But if you love them, you will. But you are reluctant to do so. I didn't let my wife whip them because I didn't think she loved them as she should have. I didn't. I was the disciplinarian, yet they just flocked to me and loved me. And to this day, I get all of the I love you's and so forth and so on, and I thank God for it. But I didn't do it. God did it. It's the Jesus man who did it in me and through me, and every godly Christian father will say the same. I'm not here with my wife after 34 years in the empty nest because of me. I, I can assure you that. In fact, I would have divorced my wife. I didn't have any real biblical ground, but I, other than her rebelliousness and disobedience and pride, uh, a long time ago. That's right. If it were not for Dr. Andrew Hamilton, Dr. Glenda Hamilton, 
Dr. Steinberg. Say it again. Dr. Steinhaus. These are all preachers. Uh, Dr. Val Cuthbertson. All divorced preachers. Some remarried. But when I went to tell them, I'm thinking about getting divorced. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> all four of them. And one, you know, one just had an attitude about it, Brother Glenn Hammond. He just think he know everything. And he's right about all things. So he, now even though he was divorced, he going tell, he walked out of the room. Said, now, you, boy, you're not getting no divorce. You're not getting a divorce. You can forget that. So don't come talking to me about that. And he walked out of the room. That was it. If there was a mic to drop, he dropped it. All four of them, they were divorced. One was getting ready to get married again. And two got remarried. One didn't. And I talked to all four of them. These are my preacher friends. And they were all adamant. No, you're not. We did it. <laughs> I did it, but you're not going to do that. So forget about it. Go ahead and by the grace of God, pray it down and work it out. I didn't want to do it at the time. But oh, I thank God I followed God's word and I followed their advice. Because I was getting ready to head on. Back down to Jamaica and get me another Jamaican woman. And quite frankly, only by the grace of God, I didn't marry another woman. And I thank God I didn't. Because, and see, what they were concerned about, because they knew it was going to impact my ministry. And look at what God has done. We had over 5,000 people yesterday listening to, me to pre listening to me preach around the globe. And I didn't even count all the stats. My son's going to count all the stats this evening. That's all day from all four sermons. Over 3,000 in one sermon. See. And all of the books that have been written. That was before I wrote Letters on Black Men. Letters on Black Women. That's before uh, I was invited to the Billy Graham Homegoing. Which was the highlight of my life. One of the highlights of my life. And before I traveled around the world. Uh, uh, some parts of the world before I got any of my accredited degrees and God has used me mightily for such a time as this and so uh, I thank God I did not they, they were there my, these four preachers all divorced some remarried some getting ready to get remarried and one who didn't they made it very clear to me. We did it, but you're not going to do it. You're our champion. And we love you, brother, but uh, you need to work this out. They said it just like that. And I told you, uh, Dr. Glenda Hamilton, pastor of the Harvest Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida, walked out of the room, so I don't want to hear it. 
I said, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to hear it, man. I said, when he wants you to stop talking, he'll talk all loud like that right there. You know, he's older than me. You know, I, 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 I let it go. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I, that's not happening. I don't want to hear that. No, don't come here with that. But I was all for him when he was going through his divorce. His wife left him and so forth. And so try, I helped, told him that he ought to get married to one of these beautiful women in, in his church and all of that. Because she was in the wrong. <clears throat> but he didn't want to hear nothing like that from me. And they were adamant. They were hard. They showed great love to me by being that way. But they, that, that was absolutely, as far as they were concerned, absolutely out of the question. Go figure. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to finish this sermon tonight. I don't want to take it into next week. So let me go through a few things quickly. In relation to your wife, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Husbands, love your wives. As Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Just use the other thing. Use the other thing. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now that is a commandment. That is not a suggestion. And you, but you can't obey the commandment unless you are born again and saved. You won't even know to obey that. You probably have not read it before. That it might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, you have a job to do with your wife. You know what I believe? Most women are not virtuous, just like most men are not faithful. But some men can become faithful with the washing of the word and with prayer and some women can become virtuous that way and you have a job to do husband you're the gardener in that woman's life and it is your job to pray with her and to read the word of God to her I don't care how bad the marriage is, is, you must do that. I don't care if she saved or lost. You need to do that because there's power in prayer and there's power in the Word of God. And one of the main reasons why my wife and I are together today, having raised really by myself with a little help from her, all seven of our children. My baby son will be graduating from college 
here in a few months. <clears throat> My baby daughter is well on her way. That's a miracle for us. But you got to, you you got to do your job, sir. Father, hubby, are you going to hell? Is that a problem for you to do that? Huh? Is that so hard for you to do to pray with your wife and children every day on purpose, loud and clear? We're not talking about a silent prayer here. You got to pray. They may be silent. They may be asleep, but you better pray. I can assure you that. And you're not going to be motivated to pray. Father, hubby, if you're on your way to hell because you're not saved. You're religious, but lost. Does your wife have to prompt you to pray and read the Bible? Is she the one trying to boss you to do that? Or some saved daughter? Probably won't be any of your son trying to do that, but you'll you have a saved daughter. And she'll try to get you. Papa, would you please pray with us? Would you read the Bible with us? So are men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Is, is, it, something, is it a natural, a spiritual, a spiritual thing rather? In your heart where whatever you get, you want her to have? You, there's, a, there's a fairness inside of you that whatever you uh, get, you want her to have it? That does not mean you have to give it to her, but you, do you have that kind of heart that you want her to have and enjoy what you have and enjoy? Now let me help you, because some of you don't understand. Now if you are obedient to the Lord, you're saved, and God is blessing your life. And she is disobedient to the Lord, disrespectful of you, disobeys you. Uh, that does not, I mean, I mean, what I'm saying to you is, you may want to, her to enjoy everything you enjoy. And have everything you have. But that may not be God's will for you to do that. God will use you to uh, rebuke her about her evil. Her pride. Her stubbornness. Her rebelliousness. Her meanness. If you have a wife who talks all sweet and nice and dandy when she wants something... But when you want something, she's grumbling and she's cussing and she's mean as the devil. I say, don't be listening to her when she comes with that sweet little devilish satanic voice asking for something and wanting something. I say, don't give it to her. What? Preacher, that's not evangelical. I know that's Christian. It's biblical. Huh? I, I told I told the people in an article recently this past week, and I really don't have time for all of this foolishness. Uh, the Presbyterian Church, of all people, they quit the National Association of Evangelicals, and I told all of the other thirty-nine denominations they ought to quit it too. 
and stopped calling themselves evangelicals and called themselves Christians as they called us in Antioch nearly 2,000 years ago. We have lost our way. And I told you I'm hard on the evangelicals because they influence everybody, including independent Baptists. By the way, independent Baptists, independent Methodists, and all of that, Southern Baptists, who uh, they need to get away from the NAE as well. Just get on away. You're too close. You have become one. They have uh, grouped you in. You need to unloose yourself, unhitch yourself from them. To steal a, a phrase from Andy Stanley. Unhit yourself from the evangelical Southern Baptists. I love you. Some of you are not right, but I love you still. You don't bother me because I know I know your potential in God and in Jesus Christ. And the evangelicals know your potential too. Even though you got some issues right now. Unhit yourselves from the NAE and uh, uh, but see the reason why I'm, I'm like that about the NAE, the evangelicals, I'm so hard on them, because they influence even independent Baptists. We've been influenced by them by for years, going back 40-something years. Why? Because we don't want to read our books. That's how we are as Baptists, Southern Baptists, independent Baptists. We're that way. We don't respect our writings like we ex- respect the... Uh, Southern Baptist writing, even some of the charismatic writers. Why is that? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy kind of thing in our minds. We think their stuff is better. And some of us don't even know that we're reading our sweet evangelicals. And being influenced by them. We just go to the bookstore. And if the back, back of the cover looks good. We just buy it. I've done that for years. Didn't even know it. God showed me later on. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But nourisheth and cherisheth it. Even as the Lord the church. I love me. And I enjoy life very much, very much, because of God, because of Jesus. See, as a Christian, you can't enjoy life living in sin. That's not possible, not possible. And God will teach you not to live in sin. He will chastise you and rebuke you and break you of that if you're his child. Does that sound like love, look like love? No, but it, but it is love. Listen to me. The greatest thing God ever did for me after salvation is chastise me. How many of you would say the same thing? And you learned the hard way what T.D. Jakes said in a sermon series one time. I bet you I won't do that again. No. No sir, no ma'am. It was life-transforming when God chastised me and helped me to understand uh, that I can't do what I want to do when I want to do it. Uh, It's all about what He wants. And God basically told me, I appreciate your willingness to serve me, but you must serve me my way. 
or no way. In other words, you won't be getting my blessings and my opportunities and my privileges if you don't do it my way. That's what God told me in no uncertain terms. And I learned that lesson a long time ago. And that's why I'm here tonight preaching to you. In faith, believing. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That's how it ought to be. You say, preacher, even though you and your wife don't have the greatest marriage in the world, do you want your children to get married? Yes, I do. I want my boys to marry a beautiful young lady. I want my girls to marry a handsome young man. I don't want no ugly grandchildren. But more importantly, a godly young man and a godly young woman for the boys, a godly young man for the, for the, for the girls. In this day and time, you know, we, we're not too sure. Because this is a messed up day and time. I don't want any of them to marry a monster. Like a man found out the other day. He married a so-called woman and found out she was a man. I don't want that to happen. Things are not that clear today as they used to be. And I still believe the most beautiful thing on earth is a man and a woman getting together. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church fathers. Dr. Warren Worsby said Paul had much more to say to the Christian husbands than to the wives. He set for them a very high standard. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Paul was lifting married love to the highest level possible. For he saw in the Christian home an illustration of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. God established marriage for many reasons. All for his glory, praise, and honor. For one thing, it meets man's emotional needs and woman's emotional needs. It is not good that the man should be alone. And let me just tell you something, my beloved. I wouldn't trade, my wife and I did not have the original match, wonderful, glorious marriage like a few people have. Or at least they lie about. But I wouldn't trade my marriage life and my family life for anything in the world. I've enjoyed my marriage. I've enjoyed my raising my children. It's been a blessing and the joy of my life. And God blessed me with it. I don't deserve that. He knows I didn't deserve that. 
but I wouldn't trade my married life. And this is why I tell you people, you juvenile people, always trying on marriage like a pair of shoes and all this foolishness. As soon as you get angry, you're ready to jump ship. Uh, but let me just tell you something. When it comes down to the things that are going to come your way in life, like the empty nest, you're going to be better off having one you married in your youth. My wife and I have been married over 34 years, going on 35. By the grace of God, we have come to the emptiness. And I would rather be with my rebellious, cantankerous, proud wife in the emptiness than with somebody else. Because we have gone through this together. And God, God does stuff in your life, in your marriage. God does things when you stick with what he wants you to stick with. Because, see, my commitment was not really to her. It was to God. And you need to get that straight in your mind. When you get married, you're making a commitment to God to stay married. Your spouse is making a commitment to God. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. One couple found out they were having a hard time. God opened up great doors for them to serve. But they just couldn't stand each other. The, the preacher, young preacher was getting ready to launch out on another great ministry. And he, I think they faced it. They were, they were on their 10th anniversary. He took her out and bought flowers and bought, you know, did all of the things evangelicals told him to do. Opened the door for her and took her to a fine restaurant and so forth. He thought it was going to be a nice, wonderful night of sex and romance and all of that. Tenth year anniversary. God had blessed him with a couple of children. And on, her, on their tenth anniversary, she, she, she looked at him and basically said, I'm tired of you. I don't love you anymore. They went through some counseling and so forth and no doubt praying and reading the Bible and everything. He was shocked. He thought everything was fine. That's what most of you husbands think. And uh, he found out the way and she found out the way to have marriage, to be what it should be. They call it the vertical marriage, straight up. It's all about God, not just about you all and your feelings, and what you want. It's all about God. And you may not always get what you want. God may not give, may not always give you what you want. So what are you, you going to do? It's all about Him. Vertical marriage and what He wants. And that means you need to be praying together, reading the Bible together, staying in tune with God, praying without ceasing. In the words of Rick Warren, praying without ceasing with breath prayers, Lord, help me to be the husband that God, Lord, you want me to be. Help me to be the wife that you want me to be. Lord, help me not to get angry at this moment, etc., etc., etc. Make it to the end. I told you, I've told you many times, some of you people do not reap the benefits of marriage because you don't stay in it long enough. Don't you get mad with me. 
just because you're selfish and you did your dirt and did what you wanted to do, I'm telling you, if you stay in that bad marriage, God will make it better. And God will... Uh, Do some things that you will not have done for you if you jump ship and go running someplace else. But you can do it if you want. But I just want you to know, we all would like to do that in the flesh. We all would like to do that in the flesh and get some new meat. And so you're not doing anything when you do that. You don't impress, you don't impress any of us by doing that. We see you as weak and we see you as dumb by doing that. Because anybody can do that. I can do it. I choose not to. One thing my parents did right, they stayed together until the end. And I know that's what my children expect of us. They expect of us, they expect us to stay together to the end. Uh, so there's many reasons why we do that. I think what uh, Dale and and Steph Curry's mother is doing is stupid, stupid, stupid. And then they're gonna be dating. She's dating the husband of the wife that he's dating. That's some wicked, evil stuff. I never thought that Dale and, uh, I forget her name, would do something so stupid. So wicked, so nasty, and so evil. That's crazy. Marriage also has a social purpose. In the bearing of children to continue the race. Paul indicated a physical purpose for marriage to help man and woman fulfill the normal desires given them by God Almighty. sexual desires. There's nothing wrong with it. But in Ephesians 5, Paul indicated also a spiritual purpose in marriage. As the husband and wife experience with each other these, the, the uh, word of God and uh, the love of Christ and the sexual union. All of that is spiritual. Through sex you produce a human being. That's a spiritual thing. You have really nothing to do with that. That's God using you to bring about a human soul into the world. That's a marvelous thing. That comes through sex. And, and you may think sex is nasty. Uh, but in God's sight, is a beautiful thing. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. 
husbands, don't abuse yourselves by letting your wife abuse you and disrespect you. And let me just say something. I know all about the American laws and and no man should hit a woman, especially like Ray Ray hit his girlfriend and knocked out in the elevator. That should never happen, and they should have never gotten married as far as I'm concerned. But uh, let me just tell you women something. When you uh, rebel against your husband and disrespect your husband and get all up in his face, yakety yak yak, and with a nasty attitude, that's like hitting your husband with uh, a ton of bricks. You need to know that. So don't do that again. John R. Rice said Ephesians 5.33 even commands that the wife see that she reverence her husband. The Bible does not say that men deserve reverence, nor are worthy of it. But the Lord does teach that wives should give it. Subjection of wife to husband is not a slavish, cringing, nor a sullen submission to what one cannot avoid. Sarah loved Abraham, admired him so much, that queenly woman that she was. She was not ashamed to call him Lord. She showed respect for him. She was in subjection to him with the kind of reverence God commands Christian wives to have. And Sarah is here, held up as a great example to wives who would please the Lord and have happy homes. You say, well, preacher, why do you bring that up? Because I want you to understand that you're the king in your house. husband, father, if you're saved. And part of your job is to help people. Do you know that kings, they tell people around them how you will treat them? The queen will let you know, or her people will let you know. Do not touch her. Do not shake her. Try to shake her hand unless she puts forth her hand. And you will call her uh, your majesty, the queen. Now, she will let you know that, or the people who work for her will let you know that. That's how you address since you don't know. And so, kings, husbands, you need to let your wife know and your children know how to address you. Respectfully. Husband, your wife is a part of yourself, so love her as you love your own body. Love her with the unselfish compassion and love that Christ has for his church. That standard is so high that it should make every one of us very humble as we try to be the husbands that God wants us to be. If the man is stronger, he should be better. If the man has more authority, he should have more responsibility. As the salvation of a sinner and the security of his saints depends on Christ, not on us. So the Lord places more heavily on man the responsibility for 
a happy home. You make it a happy home. And, and one of the things that you need to make sure you do, unlike what my dad did, who I love and appreciate. I'm not mad at him. He didn't have anybody to teach him. He didn't know any better. He had an eighth grade education. And nobody taught him these things. But when you know better, you ought to do better. He called himself keeping the peace, but there was no peace. There was nothing but disrespect of him by his wife and his children. That's, you're not helping your home, sir, by letting that happen. You're the reason why that's happening. When you don't have a voice, you can't say what you need to say in your own household. Now, when your children leave, they can do what they want. And it should not bother you as long as you did your job and you left everything on the field and raising them. <clears throat> you parents who did not leave everything on the field and you did not raise your children properly, you went away running after them, trying to train them all over again, and train them uh, when you didn't train them when you had them. Because you were too busy doing this, that, and the other. And you're always bothering them and getting on their case about stuff. You don't need to do that if you train them at home. The good father lets the child go on. They may mess up. The good father, if he did his job, lets the children go, and they do whatever they want to do. They may even turn against him, whatever. You've got to be big enough in God to let that happen. And pray and trust God that they'll learn the hard way. It's okay. It's a joy matter of fact to see your independent children grow up into their own way and their own being and how they feel about things and what they think they got to answer to God for themselves you don't have to answer for them once they get grown First Peter chapter 3 verses 7 through 12 says likewise ye husbands Dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor. What kind of knowledge? Biblical knowledge. There's no secret knowledge. Like, like some of the sweet evangelicals tell you. It's not some knowledge that you g gather from your research of your wife. Some of you dear poor men. Bless your heart. You've been told by the sweet evangelicals through the little books. You need to study your wife and study everything about her. Let me tell you something about a woman, son, so you can stop that foolishness. Her ways are movable, the Bible says. You will never. Do you hear me? You've got to go by biblical knowledge and Holy Spirit knowledge. You cannot go by uh, watching her every move and trying to figure out she's going to take you on a trip, boy, uh, till you till you reach your grave, because her ways are movable. You you don't you don't understand, son. Uh, no, you got to stick with the Bible and lead her according to the Bible, because if you try to do that thing that the sweet evangelicals have told you in their little books with these eleven keys and all of that and these. <laughs> Son, she's going to take you on a trip because she can take you on a trip and she's going to be movable over here one day. Uh, she's going to say this and three weeks from now she's going to say this and, 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 and you'll never find out what's going on. 
with her. That's uh, her ways are movable, son. Huh? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, no. Okay? And that's why you men, you give some of you men, you tickle me. i tell you the truth. Some of you men, you tickle me with this foolishness. Well, I have tried to do this and that, man. I don't understand her, man. I've done everything I could, you know. You're not going to win her like that, like that. You're not going to get her to do what needs to be done like that. You have to stick with the Bible and don't compromise. You're the king in that house. She, according to God's word, is your help meet. I didn't say slave, but she's your help meet. And whatever God called you to do, she needs to take one L off and put a P on there and become a help meet instead of a hell meet. You don't need a hell meet. You need a help meet for you to do whatever it is that God called you to do and wants you to do. <clears throat> and there are more callings in life than the ministry. I believe police officers are called to this. You wonder why some police officers don't quit? Some teachers don't quit? Because they were called to do that by God. Politicians and, and government officials who don't quit, they, they love that kind of work because they were called to do that. Thank God for government officials. I don't want to deal with that. That's not what God called me to do. God called me to tell the politicians and everybody else, stop the abortions. Stop the homosexuality and homosexual marriage garbage. And by the way, thank God, uh, Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice, said we're going to look at that too here soon. Oh, I may stick around a little bit and see what they ain't going to be. But we don't have no 50 years, I can tell you that. I, I can guarantee you that. America does not have 50 years, man, woman. So we can't do that. I'm talking about next year, at least. Put an end to this homosexual marriage and this homosexuality, homosexual gender, garbage and chaos. Put an end to it. And I thank God it was a black man... Clarence Thomas, who says something about my white friends on the court, have not said anything. But y'all need to follow that black man this time. And by the way, it was a black man who started this mess, the first black president. May God help us. Out of slavery, out of Jim Crow, and then we get the first black president, and he puts this curse on not only black America, but white America. Look at this mess. And now we got parents defending, trying, trying to fend for themselves to keep uh, 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 monsters out of their libraries and their schools, so-called drag queens, and they're already in the church. Thank you, President Obama and your cohorts, Andy Stanley and uh, Otis Moss III and others who've done this garbage to America, but you did not know it was going to turn out like this. Now even you want to go back, except for Andy Stanley. And that's too much. Too much. I, I, we never thought it was going to turn. But see, they had an agenda, and they used you to push their agenda. So I was glad to hear what 
Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said, I hope he follows through quickly. We don't have 50 years. We don't have five years. This must be done immediately, as soon as possible. My son Daniel the Fourth and I wrote a book on it while I was going towards that. Just read our book. We'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Stop it. Amy, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, stop it right now. Shut it down. I want to see that. People can't even get a job because we got to deal with somebody's pronouns. Are you kidding me? Some some young person coming to my my pronoun. I got on your shirt. My pronoun is them and they. Oh, okay, legions of demons. That's what you are. I'm not calling you that. What did your mama name you? Okay, then Derek. That's what we're gonna call you. Well, I'm gonna sue you. Yeah, I don't care whether you sue me or not. I won't be here. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. I don't need the job if I got to do that. I'm not calling you no them and they, Negro. Or have you lost your mind? Whether you black or white, red or yellow, I'm not doing that. I'm giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That's what husbands ought to do. You can you give honor to whom honor is due. If your wife is not honorable, you don't need to be trying to put on a pedestal like all other good wives. And, and you just tell the truth and shame the devil. Hopefully she'll repent and get saved and act right. You can't help people if you're lying to them. <clears throat> and you men, and yes, there are women who will believe lies. Everybody knows it. Women know it too. But just because they are believe lies don't mean you should tell them lies. They can handle the truth. It may take them a minute, but they can handle the truth. As the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called. And that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Dr. Thomas Constable, I don't know what's going on with this mic. Yeah. Dr. Thomas Constable said, as with his instructions, to wives. Peter began his counsel to the husbands with a command to think right first. He said men should cultivate understanding. This brief charge carries profound implications. It requires active listening to the wife as well as study 
This is what he says. Of the word of God. And it is a tall order to know one's wife, to understand her, even to be understanding with her. However, the knowledge in view is probably primarily knowledge of God's word concerning the proper treatment of one's wife. By comparing a wife to a weaker vessel, Peter was not implying that wives or women are inferior to men or to husbands or males, or that they are weaker in every way or most always. And that's just, of course, foolishness. That's not true. Obviously, in many marriages, the wife is the stronger person, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, morally, socially, and physically. In some cases, not, not all, and not most. Nevertheless, physically, the wife is usually weaker than her husband. Men tend to choose as their wives women who are not as strong or m muscular as they are. Furthermore, generally men are stronger than women physically. In view of this, husbands need to treat their wives with special consideration. Both the husband and the wife are vessels, but husbands are more typically similar to iron skillets, whereas wives resemble china vases, being more delicate. They are equally important but different that is equally important to God. Peter banished any implication of essential inferiority with his uh, reminder that the wife is a fellow heir of God's grace just as much as the husband. And let me say this to you husbands. If you're saved, see, if you're not saved, you're not going to know this. God, the God-man, Jesus Christ, on the inside of you will regulate you towards your wife. The same God-man, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, will control you when it comes down to watching pornography or getting involved with another woman. The God-man, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God in you will help you to walk into a store and, 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 and see a beautiful, fine woman coming on to you and will give you the grace and the strength to walk away. Father, hubby, are you on your way to hell? See, if you... If that's not happening, all of that, you want to say something crossways to your wife, God in you will stop you. I cannot explain it to you. I'm sorry. If you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not saved, you don't have a clue as to what I'm talking about. God will even stop you and say, you can't say that to her, but you can say this to her. To get your point across. God does not mind you getting your point across. Contrary to the sweet evangelical. You're not supposed to say anything to your wife. To your wife. 
Nothing negative. She's the weaker vessel. She, she's not that weak. Uh, see, God's weakness here is not as weak as you think. That she can't take nothing, bad English, but a true statement. Your wife can take a whole lot. And she can take the truth just like she can take a lie. God deals with both types of people the same when it comes to bestowing grace on them. He shows no favoritism. Do not, you're not, listen to me, husbands. You can do what you want. But uh, you're not going to get away with abusing your wife, being mean and hateful to your wife. God will bless you if you have a wicked, evil Jezebel wife and you won't let her disturb your household and you will rebuke her and tell her what time it is. And tell her, like I've told my wife, you can do whatever you want, but you won't be doing that here. I will not tolerate that attitude. I'm not going to tolerate that in front of the children. You're not going to be cussing and raising hell in my house. So you do whatever you want, but that won't be happening. Not here. We're going to have peace here. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, you say, well, I couldn't tell my wife that. Well, I feel sorry for you, son. I have 99 problems, but that ain't one. And I've never had that kind of problem with any woman. And I believe, deep down, in every woman, she wants a man to tell her the truth. That's what I believe. I believe, in fact, Every woman is turned on by that, to that man. Because she knows how low she can go. With the running off at the mouth. And disrespect. And if you let her do that, she's going to do it. Look at me real good. You understand, sir? And so, if she can't take it, uh, she doesn't want to take it. She doesn't want to, to hear your rebuke. How that you're not going to have a whole bunch of confusion around these children. We're going to have peace in this home so that these children can study and do their work and have some order. That's your job. And you better make that happen with whatever kind of wife you have. I, I hope you have a sweet, loving, just gentle, virtuous, godly wife. It makes life much easier. And the children... Will, will appreciate it. You know why I, I, I wanted my children to move on in their life? One of the main reasons? Because they had a mother who did not love them, who did not care for them, who didn't want to hug them, and wanted to keep up some mess in the household around them, which would bother them, and I didn't let it bother them. If they had a loving, sweet, virtuous mother, they probably none of them probably would have left. Because we were living in a mansion. They could all stay there. Six bedrooms, four bathrooms, four car garage. They could all stay there. But I I I, I wanted them to be blessed to leave on and go head on and get out from under that foolishness. Because see, 
whatever she did wrong to them or in the household, I was going to correct it. I was going to rebuke it. I was not going to do like my dad and just be quiet and talking about keeping the peace. There's no peace because I'm going to have peace. You understand, brother? Danny B is going to have peace in this household. I had peace today. I had peace yesterday. I'm going to have peace this evening. When I eat my barbecue chicken and my vegetables and rice and have a glass of wine. This evening, I'm going to have peace. You understand me? And, and, and if the devil jump on her and try to say something sideways or whatever, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to have peace and quiet in my home. And I've been like that for over 34 years. I would urge you to be the same. No, and of course, most of you got bad wives like me. If you have a good one, she, you ought to do everything in the world to reward her. God bless you. But I'm dealing with the men who don't have a good one and they got to put their foot down. That's love too. You do that for your children's sake as well. Don't, 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 I, I mean that. If you love your wife and if you love your children, if you love yourself and if you love God, you make sure those children are raised in a quiet, peaceful environment. Come hell or high water. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You are, you're mistreating your children by letting her run off at the mouth and, 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 and burn the food on purpose and have a nasty attitude and uh, 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 say hurtful things to uh, your children. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You, yeah, sir, you'll be less than the man. Let that happen. And we got a whole lot of that mess going on in the country. And I got pastor's wives who are mad at me for telling you the truth, trying to set you free from the Jezebel spirit. They're mad as the devil because I'm, I'm, I'm shaking up the, the cart. I'm not only shaking it up, I'm turning it over. Because it needs to be turned over. It's a bunch of foolishness for years. So much so now you got, you're contemplating and having uh, uh, women as pastors of Bible-believing, so-called Bible-believing churches. Get out of here. God does not show favoritism or partiality because of their genders. In today's time, I used to even say that word. Wives may normally be more delicate in some respects than their husbands, but spiritually they are equal. They're equal. And they need to be treated equally. Not with kid gloves. The wife, because see, the way things are set up today, and everybody knows it in the church, which has messed up the whole country. Everybody knows it. You can't say anything about the wife. <clears throat> you can't say anything about the mother. You can't say anything about the woman. 
And I'm changing that. They are equal before God, spiritually speaking. And if they do well, they ought to be rewarded and blessed. And God will bless them if they do well. But God will curse them too. Just like he cursed Jezebel. And uh, Sapphira, I think her name is, in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, both of them died. They walked them both out. They walked their bodies both out, male and female. God does not play with that. He does not play that game that we play in evangelical circles. Hey, hey, pastors. Tell the women in the church, we're not going to have a woman pastor here preaching over the men. There's no such thing. We're not going to give her the role of pastor if it involves being over men and boys. Period. They don't like it, lump it and choke on it. I can care less. This is God's word. Now, Dr. Tony Evans is not going to say that like that. You can listen to him. He's going to say the same thing. He's going to say it more lovingly than I will. But he's got to do his job and i got to do mine. Because you people act like you've lost your righteous minds. Southern Baptists, Independent Baptists. Got women laying hands on a man's hairy chest. She can't handle it and he can't handle it. No, man, don't be, no. Girl, you can't do that. And you tell them, I said it, because they already hate me. And they're already trying to stop me right now. You tell them I said it. You don't have to tell anybody else. I said it, and I stand behind it, because I'm standing on the word of God. We don't need that. We don't need women running households. We don't need women running the church. But they're equal before God, but they're equal in doing what they're supposed to be doing. You just do your job well. Let the men do their job well. Help them to do it. You're supposed to be a help meet. Life probably refers to both physical life and spiritual life. Since husbands and wives share both equally in God's sight. God does not play favorites. Not the man man over the woman or the woman over the man. God is not a respective person like we are. Oh, you can talk to the man and say, Men, you men, you terrible and you wicked, you dirty dogs and so forth. And call everything but a child of God. But you say one thing to the women and you get this number right here, then you shut up. I don't shut up. Because your face, your face don't mean nothing to me. Your crossing your arms don't mean a doggone thing to me, woman. I don't care if you like it or not. Because I'm standing for God's word. What are you doing? Now in relation to your children. Father and hubby. Are you going to hell? I've already touched on some of this, so we're going to wrap it up now. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, 
Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dr. John MacArthur said the command to parents, especially to fathers in this case, is for them to bring up their children in this in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Padilla discipline comes from the word pace child and refers to the systematic training of children. It includes the idea of correction for wrongdoing as seen in the well-known proverb he who spares his rod hates his son. Did you get that? You see how love can look like hate? He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. You know why so many young black men are being shot and killed? Because their fathers especially, and the help meet mothers did not diligently whip their butts and didn't teach them respect for authority. I don't care what the situation is, even if you think you're right. When the authorities show up, you humble yourself and you submit to the authorities. Oh yes, there may be some who will try to provoke you. Don't fall for it. That's how so many are getting killed. Because they think they can talk back to the police and run away from the police and all that kind of foolishness. In the several uses of the term in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, the translators of the authorized version, the King James Version, rendered it chastening, which is clearly the emphasis of that context. Paul's meaning here is expressed even more fully. However, in the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Discipline has to do with the overall training of children including punishment. If God punishes us as grown adults, his children, then we ought to punish our children as God commands us, chastise them as he commands us. The key to right discipline and instruction of children is its being of the Lord and in the Lord. Always bring the Lord in it. And if I, I said this last night, and I'll say it again, if you love to chastise your children and you want to take your anger out on them, we're not talking to you. Don't you touch the child. Just leave the child alone. Because that's not going anywhere fast. But if you love that child and you're trying to whip him in such a way or her in such a way that she will not continue to do evil or he will not continue to do evil, for their good, then you do what you have to do. And that's love too. 
Everything parents do for their children is to be of him according to the teaching of his word, by the guidance and power of his Holy Spirit, in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to his own glory and honor. Always bring the Lord in it, my dear friends. It's got to be about the Lord. Parenting is vertical as well. Not only marriage, but parenting. All God. Always bring God into the picture. Bring Jesus into the picture. It's not about you and your child, not about you and your wife, but you and God, and them and God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Dr. Matthew Henry said, A great duty enjoined particularly to those that are the parents and instructors of children in order to the propagating of wisdom that it may not die with them. Train up children in the age of vanity to keep them from the sins and snares of it. In that learning age, to prepare them for what they are designed for. Now, all of my children, when they left home, uh, my three oldest children, others are just getting into it, they excelled. They did better than the rest because I raised them to do this. And I have told my children, don't, you don't have to try to impress me because I expect you to do well. I'm not surprised that my daughter Danny doing so well and one of the number one uh, persons in her field. My son, one of the number one persons in his field. Uh, my uh, next oldest daughter, number one persons in her field. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked that my daughter Danny lives in a mansion and drives a Mercedes at 31 years old. I'm not shocked at all. You say, well, don't you want a Mercedes? No, I do not. I don't, here's the thing with me, I don't want payments. Anything that has payments, I have no interest in. I own my house. I don't have any payments. I own my car. I don't have any payments. I do not like payments. I think I'm very wealthy as long as I don't have payments. Catechize them, initiate them, keep them under. Discipline. Train them as soldiers of the cross who are taught to handle their arms, keep rank, and observe the word of God and the commands of God. Train them up not in the way they would go. The bias of their corrupt hearts would draw them aside, but in the way they should go. The way in which if you love them, you would have them go. Train up a child according as he is capable, as some take it. With a gentle hand, as nurses feed children, little and often. A good reason for it, taken from the great advantage of this care and pains with children. When they grow up, when they grow old, it is to be hoped they will not depart from it. Good impressions made upon them then will abide upon them all their days. 
Ordinarily, the vessel retains the sava with which it was first seasoned. Many indeed have departed from the good way in which they were trained up. Solomon himself did so, but early training may be a means of their recovering themselves. Yea, by the grace of God, as it is supposed Solomon did. At least the parents will have the comfort of having done their duty and used the means. And that is very important for you parents who are raising children. And I feel sorry for you if you don't understand how quickly that will go by. It is amazing to raise one child up to the adult age. It is a miracle in our case to raise seven. It's a miracle of God. And I thank God. I'm going to tell you something what, what, uh, what God will do for you, sir, father, if you uh, leave everything on the field in parenting your children. He will give you precious memories that you'll never forget. Proverbs 13:24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son or daughter. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. Dr. David Guzik said, The rod is a figure of correction. As previously in Proverbs 10.13, here including but not limited to the appropriate physical discipline of children. The one who refuses to discipline his child may feel they avoid it out of compassion for the child, but they are mistaken. The harm is potentially so great that it could be said that he hates his son if he does not whip his behind. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. I told you love may sometime look like it's hate, but it's not. Proper discipline for a child comes from both wisdom and love. Such correction, and that's why some of you uh, people who are busybodies, all of you single women who ran off your husband, and you want every woman to go through that hellaciousness with you, leave other couples alone, you Jezebels. Uh, he may rebuke his wife because he knows why, and God wants him to do so. You may not like it, but you're not married to anybody, and you're not married to him. And he wouldn't have you. So just shut up and leave other people's marriages and families alone. And leave their children alone. Just because you don't have any and you ran off your children. Stop messing with other people's families. Mind your own business. Because what may look like hate to you is love in God's sight. Husband to the wife. Father to the children. Such correction will be done promptly. Reinforcing the connection between the correction and error of the child. The faithful man is the saved man. Just as I told you, the virtuous woman is the saved woman. The virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 is a saved woman. Doing all that, 
That's a saved woman. Are you saved? Her, uh, wifey, mother, wifey, are you saved? Father, hubby, are you saved? Because the Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? And the Bible also says, which is not much, it's not talked about much, who can find a faithful man? I'm telling you that that faithful man, if you can find him, he is a saved man. <clears throat> He's a born-again man. And it's not about him. I know it's hard for you to understand. It is about Jesus Christ in him. The Holy Spirit of God in him. Making him faithful. You cannot do what I have done by the grace of God for over 42 years straight. I told my daughter, Danita, who's approaching 30, I told her today, continue to be the faithful young woman you've always been because of the Christ in you. Don't uh, follow other people in their evil ways. The reason why there are some Christians who live faithfully every day, they don't, they don't even think about going the other way, is because of the God in them, the Jesus in them, the Holy Ghost of God in them. Father, Harvey, are you on your way to a devil's hell even though you're in church? And you're on the trustee board, the deacon board, and you need the board put on your behind. How about it, Pastor? Father? Hubby? Are you born again, Pastor? Are you saved? Across the nation and around the globe, examine yourself and see whether or not you be in the faith. Because all of these things that I mentioned ought to come, I don't want to say easy to you, but they ought to come easier to you because you're born again and you're saved and you can't think about doing it otherwise. See, it's no credit to you, sir. All credit goes to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Same thing for you, mother and wifey. You can't do this marriage thing and this parenting thing without the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Though there, are, there will be some who will be faithful until the end and not quit. And the only reason why is because they're born again. So, dear friend, if you're with us tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior in the free pardon of your sins, allow me to show you how you can place your faith and trust in Him for your soul's salvation from the power of sin, from the pain of sin, and from the punishment of sin in that awful place called hell. First, dear friend, accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's law. The Ten Commandments of God, lying, stealing, lusting, dishonoring, and disobeying your parents, 
dishonoring God by taking his name in vain and all of the sins that you have committed and that I have committed and the Pope has committed and the Dalai Lama has committed and Joel Osteen, the pastor of the largest church, has committed. For Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Father, hubby, are you saved? Are you going to hell? Second, accept the fact that there is a penalty for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. We die because of our sin. And if God will allow us to die because of our sin, God will allow us to go to hell if we do not stop by the cross and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Third, accept the fact that you are on the road to hell. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than anybody in the Bible. He preached it hard and he preached it heavy. He preached more on hell than he did about heaven. He said in Mark chapter 9 verses 43 through 48, And if thy hand offend thee, pluck it out, or I mean cut it off, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter heart into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So we see from the lips of Jesus Christ, hell is a very real place. And you're going to die not because of the coronavirus or cancer or a car crash, but because of your sin. And if you die unsaved, if you die not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, you will spend eternity in the burning hell. Father, hubby, are you going to hell tonight? Are you just religious? And this father thing and hubby thing is very difficult for you because you're just going through the motions. It's all perfunctory and mechanical. You're trying to do it by numbers, by reading somebody's book who put their own traditions and little keys and little tools in it for you to go by instead of obeying the word of God. And, you, and it's not working. It's full of compromise and uh, darkness and sadness and pitifulness. You're drowning in your own marriage and drowning in your own fatherhood because you're not saved. You don't have Father God in your heart. You don't have Jesus Christ in your life. 
You don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. That's why it's so difficult. And that's why you're failing. And that's why you're scared of your wife taking you to the cleaners. You don't have the proper authority and she knows it. She knows that you are a phony and a fake and a hypocrite. You do your little act in church in front of the pastor and you bow down and kowtow to him and she can't stand it. Because it, she sees it as improper for a man to bow down to another man like that. When you're the pastor of your own home and you don't even know it. Because you don't even pray as the priest and pastor of your family. You don't pray with your wife. You know why? Because you're not saved. <clears throat> Do you hear me? Again, that's stuff that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit will push out of you. It's just like a, a flowing well of water just comes out of you. You can't help yourself but pray. Nobody has to teach you and train you uh, to do that. <clears throat> My wife and I had seven children together. They came out the womb. All the nurse had to do is put the child near the breast. You know the child can't talk, and the child can't understand really what we're talking about. We didn't have to say suck the breast. Suck the breast, little baby. We didn't have to sing a song, suck the breast, little baby child. The child just did it. See, when you get born again, you're going to, if you will, suck the breasts. You're going to pray. You're going to read the Word of God, the milk of the Word, with your family. It's automatic. God is going to move that in you. Jesus is going to move that in you. The Holy Spirit is going to move that in you. I can't explain it to you how that happens. Just like I can't explain how that baby knew how to suck the breast. All I know is, I mean, you know, I can't give you all the details. All I know is you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For hell is the bad news. I share the bad news with you so that you can appreciate the good news. Father, hubby. And that is what Jesus Christ said so wonderfully, so magnificently, so lovingly. He said the most important thing, the most important words in the history of the world to mankind when he said in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> That's what you need to do in a real sense. I know you heard the verse before. You heard it in Sunday school. You heard it in BTU. You saw it at a football game. But you need to do it now for real. If you're drowning in your marriage and you're drowning in your fatherhood, you walk around like you don't know what to do. It's, that's because you're not born again. You're not saved. You don't need a man to tell you how to be a husband and a wife. I mean a husband and a father. 
Just like a wife does not need to be told what to do. She knows if she's saved. Because the God in you is going to push you to the word to tell you if you don't know. You must be born again. So let's do that right now. Get saved. Later for your church membership and your position on this board and that board. And all the faking you have done. Because you cannot fake this life. And you certainly can't fake it in front of your wife and children. They know whether or not you're saved and if you're the real deal. They already know. You might as well become the real deal. Father and hubby. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou you shall be saved. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. That means no man had sex with Mary before Jesus Christ was born. He was born of God. Jesus Christ never sinned in word, thought, or deed. He never did anything wrong, but yet he chose to suffer, to bleed and to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. He is the sacrificial Passover lamb of God of all time who has taken away the sin of the world. He has already paid your sin debt. It's already done. All you have to do is believe in him and trust in him and call on his name. For the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe that he suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. Call on his name and he'll save you. Believing in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll change you. And he'll help you to be the father and the husband that he wants you to be. You will never be perfect, but he's perfect. And he will help you at every turn. And somehow, some way, if you walk by faith with him, it'll turn out all right. So pray the sinner's prayer with me. Mean it from your heart, or don't pray it at all. It's up to you. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. And that I have done evil in your sight by breaking your Ten Commandments and uh, sinning against you otherwise. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. as I now believe with all of my heart in your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose on the third day by your power. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Please come into my heart and into my spirit 
and save my soul. For I understand now that it's not about church membership. I understand now it's not about sitting on the deacon board or being a preacher in the pulpit or being a, an associate minister or getting baptized or speaking in tongues or giving money to the church. It's all about what you did on the cross for my sins. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to truly repent of all of my sins and turn from my evil ways and follow you in the newness of life. Lord Jesus, for it is in your holy name I pray. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in found faith. In Jesus Christ. Please go to GospelLightSociety.com and read my book titled What to do after you enter through the door. Jesus Christ said uh, in John very clearly, John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please email us at dw3 at gospelightsociety.com and let us know. We have some free material that we want to send you that will help you to grow and become the disciple that God wants you to become. If you have a prayer request, please email that to us as well. And we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved. God loves you. We love you. And may God bless you real good. Is my prayer. Let's all stand for our closing prayer. And then we will hear that song. I'll fly away. Holy Father God in heaven, I praise you and I thank you for what you have done here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to complete that message. Two Fathers, a week-long series, uh, not every day, but from Sunday to Sunday. 
And Lord, and I know it was kind of long tonight, but I didn't want to carry it over into the next week. I wanted to finish it just like I did the one on Mother's Day and for Mother's Day week. And so, Holy Father God, help all men who are going to be husbands and fathers, who are husbands and fathers, to make sure that they're born again because they can't do the marriage thing and the parent thing without you. It's not going to turn out right. It's going to be a problem. And a struggle all the way through and they will not be successful without you. So Holy Father God, I pray that they would all examine themselves and see whether or not they be in the faith. And when they come up finding themselves wanting that they would believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ, and get saved and then depend upon you and show that dependence upon you by prayer, reading your holy word, praying with their wives and praying with their children. And Lord, you will make all of the difference. And we give you the glory, praise, and honor. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and forsake. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time.